Innes Forgettance is a folk fantasy podcast set in an alternate Appalachia and faraway Celtic fort. You can help support me and this story by sharing it with your friends, posting on social media, or by clicking the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I'm glad you joined me this week, and stay safe out there in the woods. on the Innis Forgettance, after a sudden and mysterious power rushes between Porter and Davina Warren, the town's oldest midwife insists that Porter come again to her home place. He is nervous, but he goes. While there, Widow Warren tells Porter that ever since that moment, her healing powers have become supernatural. Reaching up, she touches his throat and heals his voice, then tells him to go get his mama and bring her for healing. Porter rushes home, but mama is gone. Porter in Inniscombe. The woods rang with shouts of Sarah's name. Pa, Colleen, Aunt Nula, the Hamptons, Surprisingly, even some townsfolk trudged through the trees, cupping their mouths and screaming Porter's mother's name. Porter screamed. He screamed without a stutter, without a stop. He screamed for his mother until his throat stung raw, until his heart pounded in his ears, until the trees swirled in his vision. He balanced himself against a thick pine, sliding down its trunk until he met hard ground. Pa had slept beside Mama last night. Aunt Nula had brought her oatmeal that morning. What happened? Question after question lobbed his mind. Nothing was missing from their cabin except for her cloak and the only pair of shoes she ever wore. The slightest trace of footprints led west from the porch but the ground had been so dry that even those disappeared quickly. Once their property gave way to tall pasture grass and then thick woods, 
no sign of Sarah Hollis remained. The search party would only go so far. No one would dare venture beyond the daylight boundary. The two bands of handkerchiefs tied on rows of tree trunks, warning woodsmen and hunters that this was as far as they could go on foot if they had any hope of returning home before sunset. The red band came soonest in their trek and marked the approximate time of sunset on the winter solstice. The yellow band stood farther out, marking the extra time and distance afforded by summer's longest day. A bitter pit kerneled in Porter's stomach at the knowledge that the search party would barely set a toe beyond the red band. Porter leaned his head back against the pine, the gnarled mass of bare branches above him looking as tangled as his own mind. The cloud-covered gray of the sky was deepening. Everyone would give up soon, before the never-seen claimed the woods for the night. Already the forest was quieting, footsteps retreating. Porter! Paw tramped down a nearby slope, not even stopping as he passed him by. Time to go. We don't want to be in the woods at dark. His voice rasped and cracked. We'll keep searching at first light of the morning. They did. And the morning after. And the morning after. Each day, fewer Innisfolk showed up to traipse the mountains. Each day, Pa's voice grew hoarser, his gait less determined. Each day, the search ended earlier and earlier. Six mornings since Mama's disappearance, Porter sat around the table with Pa, Colleen, and Great Aunt Nula. He shoveled scalding oatmeal into his mouth and barely noticed. His chair scraped loudly across the floors when he took the last bite. When are we going out? Pa ate, hunched over, barely flicking his gaze up to look at Porter before returning his attention to his breakfast. Not today, Port. What do you mean, not today? Porter asked. We haven't even checked the South Mountain yet. Colleen and Aunt Nula watched him with expressions of disbelief on their faces. His fluid speech would take some getting used to. South Mountain's on the opposite side of our home place, on the opposite side of the town proper, mumbled Pa. Think she would have made it that far without anyone seeing her? Matter of fact, he straightened, leveling with Porter. Think she survived even one night in the woods with the never seen. All our lanterns are accounted for. She left without one son. Porter floundered for words, but he had no response to Pa's last statement. He had stubbornly buried the thought since the day she disappeared. If we're not going out today, then what are you saying? Pa cleared his throat. I'm saying that the chicken coop... Horse stables and sheep's pens need to be cleaned out. I'm saying the last of the autumn harvest needs to be tended. Chinking around the cabin needs to be shored up before it gets colder. Fallen wood needs to be chopped for firewood. 
He crossed his arms. I'm saying none of that gets done while we're out in the woods. No one but the Hamptons have come to help us search for three days now. Desperation hardened and sank in his gut like an iron sphere in Uncle Ed's cooling vat. But Mrs. Warren healed me pa. Maybe now she can heal Mama. Porter had claimed to his family that he couldn't explain how the Widow Warren healed him, which was partially true. Pa sniffed. One year with no voice ain't the same as seventeen years of crying sickness. You don't understand, Porter insisted. Davina Warren did too little too late. Pa's bitterness rang loud. Shocked, Porter turned. Aunt Nula sat rigid, her eyes distant and impassive. I've prayed every day since she disappeared, Porter, she said. The one above gave me no answer, no insight, until yesterday. I believe she's at eternal peace now. Colleen stared into her oatmeal. Heat coursed through Porter. You're giving up on Mama? His jaw ticked. His hands tightened into fists. He stood, challenging. Watch your manners, boy, warned Aunt Nula. Pa stood and straightened. For the first time in Porter's memory, his father's shoulders looked stronger, not burdened. Given up, he said. I married that woman almost 20 years ago. I stayed by her side. I did everything for her, for this family. He gave a derisive snort and sat back down. <laughs> know your place, boy. Breathe, Sal. Aunt Nula reached across the table, covering Pa's hand with her own. Have patience with him now. It hits him differently than it does the rest of us, considering how it all started. Porter checked Pa's reaction. His father's slight nod might as well have been a kick to the gut. Pa had never given Porter any hint that he agreed with the town's suspicion that Porter caused the crying sickness. Until now. The pain blossomed in his chest and crested in his throat, filling with a swelling, burning sensation that robbed him of speech for the first time since Widow Warren's healing. Humiliation anger, shame washed over his raw heart like vinegar. Rushing across the room, he snatched his coat and hat from the rack beside the front door, yanked it open, and fled outside. No early November sunshine greeted him in the east. Last night's rain left a gray morning sky and ribbons of thick fog in its wake, Rivulets of mist that curled over the open farmland, disappearing, coaxing into the dense forest. Positioned halfway up the north mountain, the Hollis cabin faced south, but Porter had no view of the town below or the south mountain across until he ran left to the barn and climbed up into the loft that glimpsed the winding dirt road 
and the protruding top of the South Mountain. Heart hammering in his chest and ears, he leaned out of the loft window, pulling in all the cold, hay-scented air that could fill his lungs before releasing a powerful scream. Mama! His voice soared over the field, dissipating into the trees. Below him, Boris and Banjo scuffed their hooves and snorted anxiously. Porter! He jolted, nearly losing his balance. Colleen stood below him. Come back down. I want to be alone. Huffing, Colleen disappeared into the barn. Porter gritted his jaw when he heard her footsteps approach the ladder to the loft and watched it shake with her weight. When her head appeared, he crossed his arms. It's been a long time since I could tell you. How annoying you are. Leave me alone. But she ignored him. Crumpling her skirt in one hand, she walked, hunched under the low roof until she met him. It's time to let it go. It, he sneered. Well, if that doesn't explain things for you. Her, Colleen corrected. It's time to let her go. Well, I can't let her go as easy as the rest of you. Colleen only sniffed, shaking her head. Porter glared at her. Our mother is gone, Colleen. Does that mean nothing to you? Gone, she scoffed. Mama's been gone for years, Porter. She left 17 years ago. Only difference this time is that now we can give ourselves permission to move on. Shut up, he fought. Do you hear yourself? You're so busy prattling on. I don't even think you realize what a callous hen you sound like, as if you don't even care about our mother. What about our father, Porter? Colleen's voice rose to a near shrieking pitch, her hazel eyes hot as fire kindling. You're so focused on Mama that you forget how horrible all this has been for Pa. I can't forget, Collie. I will never forget. His older sister stiffened, sobered. Porter slumped, suddenly aware of the hollowness within him, as though his insides had been ravaged by termites. Cupping his face, he took a few deep breaths before speaking again. That's why I can't stop looking for her. I have to find her. You can't do that to Pa, said Colleen. After all he's been through. He deserves to have her back, said Porter. He deserves to have her healed. I know it can be done, Colleen. He stared desperately into her eyes. And once it is, everything will be better, especially for Pa. You'd leave him to tend everything while you traipse in the cursed woods, and oh yes, let's not forget the never seen, to find someone who's been missing almost seven days, who's been cursed for seventeen years. Standing, Colleen crossed her arms. You cannot do that to him, Porter, and I ain't pleading. I'm demanding. Promise me. 
Her argument was strong, but the bigger picture, the promise of a better life, the hope of redemption for his mother and himself, the hope of truth, hung heavy like a yoke on his shoulders. He closed his eyes tight, reeling from the questions and emotions and hopes and fears that churned inside him. He opened his eyes to make his promise to Kali, but she had already disappeared down the loft's ladder. He threw himself into all his chores and then some. By the end of the day, the sheep's pen was cleaned, the stables raked out, firewood chopped, and he'd patched the worst of the cabin's chinking. His entire body ached and begged for rest. Even his wrists protested when he lifted his fork to his mouth at supper that evening. Words couldn't have staggered from his tired throat if he wanted them to. But Colleen, Pa, and Nula hardly addressed him anyway. A grim resignation hung over the table. Finally, the cabin quieted. In their loft, Colleen's breaths came even and deep. Nightmare free for once, he noted. Nula snored loudly underneath them. Porter lay stiff and awake, thinking of Pa, who spent his sixth night in bed alone, and Mama, who spent her sixth night alive. He shut his eyes tight, fighting the horrifying scenarios that battered his imagination. She has to be alive he thought. His thighs and calves tensed, eager to charge out in pursuit of her, even in the never-seen's night, but he forced himself to stay, to steady his breathing. Rest, he thought. I need rest. Everything was in place. Stolen moments made the best opportunities. Dried fruits and jerky snatched on the way out to the sheep's pen flint and steel kit from the basket on the front porch, a generous scoop of lard from the kitchen to coat his skin in case the nights grew biting cold. The rest of the essentials came from the wooden hope chest at the foot of his rope bed. A good hunting knife, his personal care kit, the leather bottle bag, one change of clothing, all stored in the strong leather possible's pouch Pa gave him three yuletides ago. It sat with a lantern secured to it, along with his wool blanket bedroll, just outside the sheep's pen, waiting. The next morning, Nula's scrambled eggs, creamy grits, and thick sliced bacon sat heavy in his stomach. Before the morning fog had lifted, he was out the door, turning the sheep out to pasture, just as Pa had asked. Who would help Pa get them back that evening? Regret pinched him, but he tugged his rucksack, water bag, and bedroll over his shoulders and strode into the hip-high grass. I guess he'll need a sheepdog after all, thought Porter, but only for a while. A pit formed in his gut. I hope to God it's only for a while.
Colleen in Inniscomb. Boris and Banjo cantered down the dirt road. Colleen gripped the edge of the wagon as Pa flicked the reins, urging the horses faster. The cold mountain wind nipped her cheeks and nose and ears. Porter had missed supper. She thought she'd convinced him not to leave Pa, not to leave her. She felt sick. He say anything to you? Pa asked. Her eyebrows knit together as she struggled to remember. Truthfully, she'd barely listened to him. The past week had drained her. She navigated her day's chores as mindlessly as cattle chewed cud. Something about the sheep, she said. About finishing so much yesterday that... Dolly, she straightened. He was gonna see Dolly after turning the sheep out. But even to her own ears, her words were solid as steam. Porter wouldn't have gone without telling Pa. He wouldn't have let Aunt Nula cook a meal for four when there would only be three chairs filled at the table. He lied to her. Porter never lied. He was too caring to lie. A nauseating knowing curdled in her belly. Her brother didn't want them to follow him. The horses cantered around a curve and Pa tugged the reins, urging them left onto the Hamptons' property. Mrs. Hampton and Dolly stood on tiptoe, hanging clothes on the line, but threw the laundry over the twine and rushed toward them. Sail, what's the matter? Mrs. Hampton placed a hand on Banjo's muzzle to calm him. Is it Sarah? My son's not here? Pa asked. The women shared a look of concerned confusion. No, sir, Dolly answered. Is everything all right? He said he was visiting you today, Colleen said. He didn't come home for the noon meal. Dolly's eyes darted from Colleen to Pa to her mother. He, he didn't come today, she said, her voice thick. Oh, Mr. Sal. Pa scrambled, climbing up to stand on the wagon's seat. Sucking in a breath, he cupped his mouth and screamed Porter's name. Colleen crumbled over her lap, covering her ears, unable to bear the torment in her father's voice. When Mrs. Hampton spoke, her voice was low and husky. Go on, Delonaga. Get the boys. We gonna search the woods today. The Innis Forgettance was written, narrated, and produced by me, Leah Noel, with special appearance by David Walker. The original song, Beware the Never Seen, was written, composed, and performed by Georgia musicians Miles Landrum and Lorelei. You can find links to more of their excellent music in the show notes. Sound effects came from the kind folks at freesound.org. You can follow this podcast with behind the scenes and more on Instagram and TikTok at Leah with a pen.
Sufrir 